Welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is my show, and this is the second of the summer specials of the show featuring founder and CEO of Shopo, Jane Lou. You can find her on Instagram. She's at the lazy CEO. More about Jane in a moment. If you're new, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the show. What is this show? This this podcast is a conversation that you get to be a part of. It's a conversation specifically created, specifically curated and designed to hopefully help you make today a little bit better than yesterday. Now, sometimes this conversation will be with someone that you may know. Sometimes it will be with someone that you don't know, but no matter who it's with, I guarantee you'll hear something that you need to hear today. Something in the next hour and a bit you'll hear that'll make today a little bit better than yesterday. I promise you, that's what I'm here to do. Uh, Who am I? Well, I'm a TV host, podcaster, author, husband, stepfather, laundry folder, story of my name change reteller multiple times over at various family gatherings, uh, non-alcohol drinker, kettlebell blister, have a Vinnie's bin, clear-out bag, stuffer, bicycle rider, and tea towel-flicking blowfly slayer, Osher Ginsberg. Hi, this is my podcast, and I'm glad you're here. Um, this show today, this is a rebroadcast of a show that I did a few years ago now with the CEO of Shopo. Uh, She's the founder of uh, Shopo, Jane Liu. So why is Jane on today's show? Well, because why wait until the 1st of January? Every day we have the chance to make a resolution, make a change, take a step towards a life that's better, calmer, healthier, happier, richer, safer, more loving, kinder, more rewarding, more giving, more peaceful than the one that we have today. It may seem overwhelming. For a moment, think about a a beach that you might visit at some point this summer. How did that beach get there? A grain of sand at a time. One small action. Every single day in the direction of your purpose will cumulatively, cumulatively, I can't even speak today, cumulatively give you an incredible result. Perhaps that result will be pronunciation. (laughs) The The wildest part about all this is that Small action, that small action of taking that tiny little step will actually take less effort than the emotional and mental effort required to deal with the guilt and the shame and the procrastination of not doing it. That's the kicker. It's easier to do it than not do it. You do it, one squat, washing one dish, a phone call you need to make, a text you need to send, a bag you have to pack, whatever it is. You do it, and it's done. You're free. You don't do it, that thought will swirl around your head, weigh you down all day. You'll end up wasting so much energy pushing it aside so you can try to focus on that zombie scrolling on your phone or watching TV or whatever else it is that you're doing. It won't be worth it. Every day is the 1st of January. Every hour can be the 1st of January if you want it. And this conversation today will hopefully fill you with a bit of inspiration as to what exactly to do with these 365 days ahead of you. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So let me tell you about my guest today. Jane Liu is the founder and CEO of online fashion retailer Shopo. That's a company valued at over $30 million. It wasn't always that way. You can find her on Instagram. She's at the lazy CEO, all one word. And I can tell you firsthand, this woman is a powerhouse. A quick scroll through her feed on Instagram. It'll show you she's living the dream. She's having... An A-list, first-class, party, 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 super successful mega life. Surrounding herself with incredible staff, working damn hard to make sure her business not only grows, but is a great place to work. Was it always this way for her? No way. Did she come from incredible adversity? Did she face failure? A job that was not taking her in the direction of her dreams? The disdain of her parents for quitting what looked like a stable career? Yes, 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 and yes. You might not want to start an online fashion empire in 2019. That's fair enough. But you most definitely can take a listen to this and have this conversation put the bellows to that fire in your belly. What are you dreaming about doing this year? After listening to this episode, I have no question, you'll put the first grain of sand in that little jar. Before you know it, you'll have a beach. Enjoy this conversation with the incredibly inspirational human that is Jane Liu. Thanks so much for coming over. Yeah, thanks for having I'm me. I'm glad you could be here. Yeah. You're, where's your office in Sydney? In the city. It's actually so nice to get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, in the CBD? Yeah. All right, all right. We have um, this like rooftop building. It's very, all the other buildings, all the other floors look like accountants' offices. Yeah. And we have this giant rooftop balcony where we have good parties. It's really nice oh good oh that was yeah. i'm glad i'm glad you come uh, you come over i'm i'm fast i'm glad we met at the, the stella fella ball yeah 
last year and yeah. I, I remember that you were just surrounded by there was this, this table of impossibly talented and well-dressed and yeah. beautiful and <laughs> smart women. Yeah, that's our Shovo team. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, I was really fascinated, you know, kind of find out about your story. So, I've, you know, I'm I'm very, very interested to, to have this conversation with you. But we are, we are actually a very long way from you, where you grew up, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, I'm from all the way from China in Beijing. Came um, when I was eight. Yeah. What do you remember about growing up there? Um, I used to get in trouble a lot because China's really strict. So, for example. Is or was? Oh, I, it probably still is, but it definitely was. Um, so I had year one there. Um, I went to year one there and you have to sit. Everyone has their individual desks and you have to sit with your hands behind your back so you don't fiddle with your stuff on your desk. And then I come to Australia and we have like we're sitting on the floor with our legs crossed. I've never done that before. And then we have group desks. Never had that before. We had nap time. I was like, what the hell? And I was like, I remember just lying there being like, really? Like just with one eye open being really like, are we just sleeping right now? And in China, like when you play here, when you play sports, you're playing, you know, um, softball, all these team sports, um, cricket in China. And Funny story is I went back to China um, earlier this year with my dad to visit my primary school and it's still actually like that. You run behind each other in a straight line and there's a teacher with a whistle. This is you want. <laughs> and that's That's, that's exercise. Sport. That's exercise. Yeah. So you're not side to side, you're not talking to each other. No. Wow. So that culture of individual. Yeah. Individuality. Now, is it, uh, was it, you know, one child policy era that you yeah, grew up in? Yeah, it was. Whoa. Yeah, it really sucked. Um, like my parents definitely wanted to have more kids. And I think it was like 1980 or whatever it is. Um, yeah, so all, and all of my friends also didn't have siblings. Um, so it wasn't anything different that you yeah. knew of. And you grew up very close to your friends because, and your cousins. But I mean, I love, like, I look at families here that have like three or four in them. I'm so jealous. Mm. Yeah. It's like, you know, so I've, different. <laughs> I, I wonder a lot about, you know, to speak of that, that there's an entire generation. I mean, you'd think as a kid, mm. you might have figured out when it comes to things like sharing. Sharing, yeah. I actually, um, I have been told, I'm not just thinking this, that I'm quite good at sharing. Um, people are surprised how good I am at like sharing and just like including people for an only child. I'm always like making sure there's no one left out, but also how much I can just like neg on people and tease people. Like everyone assumed I would have a younger or older brother the way like, yeah. I tease people. Uh -huh. um, and I just like, yeah, torment friends sometimes, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what did you folks do? Um, my parents are um, not entrepreneurial at all. My mom works in the bank. My dad's a computer engineer. So that's what they were doing in China? Yeah. And then right. they came here and they worked as cleaners, worked in factories. Oh, we'll get to that. that. Well, yeah. no, 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 yeah, we'll get okay. to that. We'll get to that. So you are old enough that um, when 1989 rolls around, yeah, um, that you would have been old enough to kind of understand that, wow, something's really interesting happening. There's people gathering in the streets. This is all really exciting. Yeah. Like, what was that like, the build up? To, if you were you were in Beijing, you were close enough to Tiananmen Square. Yeah, um, we could actually hear it because um, we live five minutes away. Right. Um, but actually, I knew nothing, and really? I knew nothing until much later on when I came to Australia. Really? Because you. Don't... What did your parents tell you? I mean, obviously, the sound of a hundred thousand people screaming and fleeing. no, well, China has fireworks anyway, right? Oh. China is very loud. So you so thought the gunshots kid... were fireworks? Yeah. Far 
And um, I think my dad even went down to the front line because you don't because China was so safe, and that's why they had gunshots because there's never any protesting. Like people, like the because China was such a safe place before that, um, people didn't actually have the cops didn't have what do you have like pellets and like tear gas and they didn't they didn't prepare for those things and all they had they didn't have the police to fight everyone off um they had to bring the army because that's all they actually had they didn't have any non-lethal options yeah um wow. so that's um i mean that's what i've been told <laughs> but there's just um there's a lot of secrecy like people there still don't i don't think know the full story um like even now like if my parents honestly heard me talk about it they would get feel very nervous why just in case, like, I don't know. Well, well I guess they grew up underneath it. Yeah, like in case, like, I there's trouble for me if I go back to China. Right, no. right. <laughs> yeah. like. But you've talked about it in interviews paranoid. before. This is what I'm asking you about. Yeah. You know, it's not like you haven't spoken about it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, we went back this year. They made me really nervous. So. But I'm just wondering, like, what do you tell your kids? Like, did your parents know what was happening? They did, but they didn't, um, like, honestly – People still think Chema Mao is a great person and they just don't realise he's responsible for more deaths than Hitler. So. Yeah, it wasn't awesome. Yeah. No, it wasn't, wasn't very good yeah. for a lot of people to try and lurch a society that huge yeah. culturally forward a couple yeah. hundred years yeah. in a thousand days or whatever, whatever you try to do it in. Yeah. Good and all, good Lord. I just like was not well thought out. Like yeah. why didn't he have an economist there? <laughs> like, what the hell? So was it that the tipping point for your folks? Did they go, mm. oh, we better get this kid I out of here? everyone wants to um, leave, go overseas for a brighter future, but it's definitely a catalyst. Yeah. yeah. Did they have a hard time, you know, finding a way out? Were there other countries they considered? Yeah, absolutely. It took, I think, five years. Um, we came in 94. Um, we tried Australia, then America, then Canada and New Zealand and then I think got pushed back. So we tried Australia again. And, yeah, so we managed to get through here. Um, I think we've got we've just got one relative here. And, that's and it was through that relative that yeah. you managed to find it. Wow. Yeah. That's so full on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess, you know, when my, when my parents came, when my mum came here, mm. you know, they just, I think they just got off a boat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they came from the American uh, part of uh, that Germany had been carved up and they'd fled into Germany from mm. uh, Lithuania. And, you know, so therefore they had access to the evacuations that were going in that direction. Yeah. And it was uh, the US or it was the UK or it was Australia. And my grandfather went, Let's go to America. And they went, no, nah, your kid's got a cough. It's probably TB. And went, great, we'll go to Australia. Yeah, uh, yeah, And that was it. So it wasn't like, but they were white. Yeah, so different. Yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I tell everybody. At like, least we came on a plane. I know actual boat people <laughs> that came. Like this Vietnamese girl, her parents came on the boat. So. <laughs> and my mum's a boat person. Yeah, my mum came on yeah, a boat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my joke is I say it all the time is I wasn't born in Australia. I'm an immigrant, but I'm white, so no one cares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just true. It's so true. Yeah. <laughs> what are you so the the you're just going on as planned, you're you're going to school and there's what is that? There's so many things I want to ask about growing up in China and how that forms you because I've got this twelve year old girl yeah. that, that is my soon to be stepdaughter, right? Mm. And I'm I'm seeing every day the stakes of my behaviour around her form her opinion of how males in their life yeah, 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 will totally. you know should behave or, or, or whatever. And so you're in the school that's, 
you know, forcing you to be extraordinarily obedient, very, very individualized. Mm. Um, what does that do for a culture as far as uh, caring for each other and, and, you know, having compassion for people in the community? Is, does that still happen? I mean, it's surprising that there is actually a class that teaches you how to be a good, like, citizen. Really? Um, things like you get taught, you know, give an old senior person a seat on a bus. Like, I actually remember that. But if you go to China, it's not people rush to get off the bus and then they're, they're pushing each other to get off a bus and then they're just walking normal pace. Like, why are you rushing? Why are you pushing people? Like, if you don't, if you're in China and you're not pushing in the line, you actually just slowly fall behind. Like, you actually have to constantly nudge into a line just to keep up, like a queue. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's. Is that a it's metaphor weird. for no, the rest no, of the no, society? No. Oh, maybe, yeah. But um, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird culture, and like you know, in terms of like what your parents teach you about, you know, relationships. You're not meant to have – it's the craziest thing. Like you're not meant to have a relationship until you finish studying and then you get a job and all of a sudden you're meant to have kids. Like where does the courting happen, where does learning about what a good relationship or who your ideal partner is, like I don't know when that's meant to happen. Yeah. But, yeah. So, so uh, you, get, you get off the plane. Isn't that wild? It's like a 12-hour flight, 11-hour flight. Yeah, yeah. And you landed in Sydney? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the day? Um, 22nd, 20th of Feb, something like that, 1984. Like, so summer, hot, yeah. stinky. And, oh, my God, the skies are blue. And I was like, what the hell? This is crazy. The clouds are fluffy and just like I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, my brother works in Shanghai. He sends me oh. photos all the time. He goes, this is a clear day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, su- surprisingly, I actually really – I have really bad hay fever. And it's because of all the nature in Australia. Like right now this eye is like a bit swollen. Do you want some uh, Claritin? I've got some oh. antihistamine. Do you want some? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? I'll get you some. Yeah, oh. yeah. No, no, Can we fine. just? Oh, awesome. No, no, we'll just keep rolling. Yeah, yeah. No, it's important. Um, no, because my, uh, my fiance, again, you know, she's Fijian. So oh, cool. If you, didn't, if you didn't grow up, if you didn't grow up with, with this With all the pollen, of, yeah. If you didn't grow up with this oh, kind of you. stuff. It's um, non-drowsy. You don't quite... Yeah, I don't, yeah. Know that, I don't know how the non-drowsy and cup of coffee will go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is great. You know, Joe's myself up. Yeah, Wait, is it one or two? Uh, one. Know. Oops. Read the pack. I got, no, I took two out. I just there you go. Waste one, sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. I'll pop one back in there. There mm. you go. Mm. Hopefully that'll kick in. Thank you. Hey, no worries. Here to help. Yay. So, okay. You've got everything here. Have everything here. You're going to keep me clear up. Bondi Towers. Yeah. They mean over here a difference. <laughs> so you got uh, – so you arrived February 22nd, 1994. Yeah. And did you go to your relative's house? Is that where you went? Yeah. Um, and so they lived in Balmain and now um, – so we lived in Balmain and then – Which moved, is a fairly nice part of Sydney. It's really nice. And I was the only foreigner at school. So we had some like I think Eastern European girl. But for me like that's just why. I can't tell – I couldn't tell the difference. And how was your English? terrible I couldn't say anything I couldn't and I've said this story before and people actually don't believe me but I literally could not go to the bathroom on the first day of school like the school was a bit old it wasn't a conventional looking toilet there was no sign 
Um, and I just didn't know where the toilets were. And I was just really shy and timid. Didn't want to like just barge into random rooms. I tried a gesture, but apparently my charades is not very good. So I had to just, I was just dreading. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to pee myself on the first day of school. What do I do? And then what saved me was the fact that in Australia, school finishes at three. I thought it was going to finish at five or five thirty in China. So the day was done and I was like, okay, I'm going to run home and just pee. So it actually worked out. If it was 5.30, it would have been traumatic. <laughs> and so as the only uh, foreign kid mm. at an all-white school, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry in advance, in, in retrospect for whatever names people called you. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I may have not even, to be honest, everyone was so friendly. The only person who was rude to me was this Aboriginal girl. Right. She And we became friends in a, like in a couple of years. She was in the year above. So I think people in the year above tease you as yeah. well. But it was this Aboriginal girl who was um, teasing me a lot. And then, but yeah, we, we got along and made amends. And then. Um, well, I guess if it's, if it's your country and then it's full of white people, you go, oh, Jesus. And then more people are yeah. like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Even weirder looking people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eventually, you're going to be like, come on, man. Yeah. And then, oh, actually, I remember we had this school assembly where the teacher was like, this is where my English got a bit better. They were like, oh, you know, this teasing, shouldn't, like, this bullying shouldn't go on. Like, um, this, we're aware of this mass bullying, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, people have been talking about me behind my back. Whoa. And I was like, wow, this is, I didn't even realize. And then they kept going on and they're like, this person's now leaving the school. And I was like, what? So it was a German kid Wow. who, um, people were making, and I feel like a Philistine, but I did not know about, even know about like World Hitler back then. Yeah. No? World War II back then. I was like, it was probably like, yeah, you just very, yeah. I don't know. So. I just didn't even know why they were racist to this other white kid and I just and I thought it was me and I just thought, oh thank God it wasn't me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I'm gonna ask her a stupid, stupid no, go. round eye question. No stupid question. I love it, round eye. <laughs> how do you I don't know how I know the gaijing is the word in Japanese. What's the uh word Oh guilao. 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 It means like white ghost. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like um gringo. Yeah, yeah. guilao, yeah it's Gringo, as I say it right? Yeah, that's yeah, good. The, the um, good uh, Hawaiians call it haole. Oh. <laughs> and uh, the Fiji, the islanders call it, what's a phalangi. Phalangi. Yeah, phalangi. It basically oh, means okay. it's like yeah, yeah, stu- yeah. stupid white men. You need to know that so you can hear it. Oh, <laughs> like but it's also I recognize yeah. very, very much my white male privilege and that I was born middle class and white yeah. and a male and straight. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> what is uh, – oh, God, where was I going with this? It was it was really good too. Um, <laughs> oh, God, what were we talking about? Um, oh, yeah. Here comes my oh, – I forgot it already. What's the word again? Guilao. My Guilao question. Yeah. When do you select your uh, English name? Oh, I um, some teacher did it. Yeah. Yeah. So a teacher named you. Yeah. I got to name myself. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's so a whole lot of story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, wasn't born. I wasn't born, Osha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but you got to your a teacher named you. What, yeah. Your teacher just picked a number. Name well, it sounded like my Chinese name, which is. Jane, Jin Jin, so it kind of sound like Jane. Uh-huh. So they just went Jane. I was like, okay, sure. Jen Jen? Yeah. What, Jenny couldn't, Jennifer? Yeah. It's not hard. Maybe, no, oh, it's probably too, too many syllables to pronounce for a Chinese. Right. My mom can't say my name. She says Jan. She can't say my boyfriend's name, James. She's like, Jan, sir. <laughs> and like my dad's name is Frank because it's just like, there's all these weird ways to rule things out. Like Robert sounds like carrot and apparently he thought, 
he wanted Max, but too many dogs were called Max. We met like two dogs called Max or something. Like yeah. it's just, it's really arbitrary. But then you meet some people who's some like Asian kids and their names are like, I can't, oh, like. All I know is that like my. Those grand names. Like where did you come up with My this? double bass teacher uh, when I was 16, uh, he was called, he was Jackie. Yeah. And his mate was Jackie. And all his mates oh. were Jackie. I'm like, oh, because you came here and you Jackie Chan. Got yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all called Jackie. Yeah. All oh, these, no. all these, okay, cool. So a teacher, a teacher name. Yeah. Wow, that's wild, man. Yeah. That is wild. And so I don't like it. <laughs> my my grandparents did the very same thing to what your your parents had to do. Is that they have these careers that were of you know quite high uh, profile, mm. and they get here and they're like, sorry, we don't recognize yeah. your degree. I apologize. Uh, you can go and clean that toilet. Yeah. Um, so how did you folks deal with that? Um, I think it was just they just they're very like okay, we've got this goal of our child, our kids. Um, education and brighter future in mind and just keep that like they just use that to motivate them so they would i remember they, they were telling me they're at the warehouse and they're packaging and they're like okay so that's like jane's lunch for the week okay that is oh, right. after school care okay this is rent like we're just, they're just like using what they're reframing paying. yeah to the, just the... just to give it context like it's wow. not mean demeaning what they're doing this is paying for this this is paying for that and that got them through it wow um were yeah they eventually able to find a path more aligned to the training? Yeah, my mum went back. She's now working. She She's not working anymore, but she was working for the bank of in, uh, ICBC, Industrial Commercial Bank of China, which is where she used to work in China. And then cool. my dad's working for a small engineering company that's very um, – they're like a little family. It's a small business. So they've treated him really well. So it's, it's worked out quite well. Yeah. Yeah. What can you uh, help – people listening understand about the expectations placed upon the single Ooh. kid oh <laughs> my god particularly of parents who've given up everything yeah so my parents are like so liberal for asian parents like they used to their friends uh, before i go into it like their friends used to tell them that you you're letting your child run wild and free you're crazy like you're letting her go out you're letting her drink you're letting her have boyfriends like this is going to come and bite you in the ass. And they were just like, you're letting her just travel. And then um, so one of her friends, for example, her daughter um, didn't get into a selective school in year six for year seven um, and she made her repeat year six. Far out. Like imagine in your adolescence when you're 12 having to stay back. All your friends are off to high school. You stay back a year just for that one selective school exam. Like that's just. Just wow. terrible parenting. Like who thought, of, you know, and just people were just not allowed to like have sleepovers and like. Um, but you didn't have drink. any of that? No, I did. So oh, I that's was cool. Like, or I just like, I lied a lot. I just did it. Um, we used to live. So when we moved out of Balmain, we moved out west to buy a house to kind of accumulate a bit more wealth. Um, so we can, and also have a house. Um, but my, I would just say it girlfriends houses a lot because I'm they my parents would let me go to parties which is already unheard of for a lot of um Asian families and then I just go and stay with my boyfriend so <laughs> how old were you like oh no like 15 16 <laughs> that's three years away Jane yeah <laughs> I think you just gotta like have have open communications not I guess not too much but you you want them to be able to confide in you okay so your parents don't know that you're going to go stay with your boyfriend. No. Are they able to talk to you at all about sex or safe sex? Where did you learn all that? Oh, school, friends, yeah, yeah okay. TV. No idea. They used to. They they try to. They 
Last time I asked them, I would have been like 12, 12 or 13. And they told me, because I was like, why do I look like, I look so much like my dad, but I came out of you. And she's like, oh, you know, when you sleep in the bed with someone long enough, that's what happens. And that's what I believed. Crikey. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it's because, no. you know, you hear horror stories about parents that don't talk to their kids yeah. and refuse to speak to their kids about it and then 15, boom, pregnant. Yeah. And then they're so religiously conservative. They're like, well, clearly you're going to have the baby now. Yeah. It's like, well, then what are you going to do? Yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, my, my views are my views and, you know, I you know my firsthand experience shapes those views. Yeah. However, I think, the you know, the idea of not speaking to your kids about it at all or talking to them about contraception or Although you're the person to turn to for like that they can trust to speak to about it. Well, yeah, you'd yeah. want them to at least kind of know what their value is and know what, especially now, I mean, what did I read the other day? That girls as young as 13 are feeling so much pressure mm, to return yeah. pics of their boobs. At least you're a cool dad. My, my dad's not cool. so <laughs> I'm not a dad. I'm not a dad. I'm yeah. trying to be a stepdad. I'm still about a year, <laughs> about nine months till we get married. Yeah. So okay, I'm exciting. still mum's fiance yeah. at this point. I don't know. You know, I just... Cool father figure. I just see <laughs> so much pressure upon kids just a little bit older than her to be so hypersexualized. Oh, my God, yeah. And it freaks me out. Yeah. And I don't know how I can equip her to deal with, say, there's a boy who's a few years older that she's really, really into and then three texts into it, she gets a dick pic. Yeah. <laughs> What's she supposed to do? You know? Because yeah. as far as he's concerned, that's what everybody talks about. That's yeah. the thing you're supposed to do. Yeah. Oh, that blows my mind how, how that's happening at yeah. such a young age yeah. and like the things, yeah, the things that they're exposed to. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. So even, even the fact that you were, you, I mean, obviously, clearly your, your subterfuge must have got fairly skilled if you were able to stay over at boyfriend's houses. Yeah, I um. What was your trick? My parents, no, my parents are so trusting. So like even they just, um like I used to, and I used to, like, I used to be able to convince them to let me drink because I was like when I was 18 because I was like next next year I'm going to go work at KPMG and there's, you know, in Australia there's a big drinking culture. Now, I don't want to be that person who has one drink and passes out in front of her bosses. So you should just let me practice. And then I got away <laughs> with that so they could let me drink. And so, yeah, I don't know. Actually, with my ex-boyfriend, my parents tried to set me – while I was going out with my ex-boyfriend for two years, my parents took me to like a family – blind date set up with this Asian boy because they were like, I think you should date an Asian boy. So, I'll f- yeah, so my boyfriend's Aussie, Aussie ass. <laughs> and how, uh, what's he doing? What's that boy doing? Yeah. Hey, can you get him off that? Oh, is that all right? Frankie. Frankie, I love you, but this is a vintage parker table. Oh, You're not allowed no to chew the vintage furniture, please. No. It's the first dining table I've ever bought that's not from Ikea. Oh, well, it's actually, so nice. No, it's I see you're one. being very careful with the coasters. It's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. And these are uh, – it's like my first big boy furniture. Yeah. Uh, this is, and these are original 1945 Herman Miller Eames oh, chairs. Oh, nice. How nice is it to not have to build it? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I'm sort of bragging about my furniture. Okay, so so all through high school, are they, are they on your case or is it just a, a given that – you are going to study, did you work? Did you find it easy to work? Did you have to work hard to meet their expectations? Um, no. So my parents are pretty, like, they're actually pretty car-fast when it comes to all that. Like, so my mom's best friend would take, for her daughter, she would take every exam paper and then go through all, every question that she does wrong and then revise it with um, her daughter. Mm. 
the plus side is her English is way better than my mom's English. My parents just, they stopped looking at my report cards because I was always just getting, like I never had to fake report cards. I, I, was, I was actually a lot harder on myself than they were. They actually just wanted me to like be above average um, and just just work in upper middle management, just be safe and just have like a safe, solid. Then boom, career. get married. Boom, yeah, exactly. Babies. And have kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't want me, they didn't have like too high aspirations. Okay. Yeah. So they weren't that pushy. Right. Yeah. But you were quite hard I'm on yourself. I'm more ambitious than they are. So Where yeah. did they come from? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I think maybe it skipped a generation. My grandparents um, on my mom's side are quite ambitious. Right. People were hardworking. I think. I don't know. <laughs> and, and so you, you said, was university always the thing that you were going to do? It was without a question. Like yeah. you would never even consider not going to university. Like you would, you, it, it would seem like you failed if you didn't go to uni, if you didn't get a job. Mm. Like it just never cons- like considered it as a, you know, be, being an actor or like um, working in a career that didn't need a university degree. Like it just didn't seem like an option. Mm. Like you don't – also I think – you know, if you have a positive role model that has done that, then you can be um, a bit more motivated in doing that. But I, we don't know anyone like that either. Mm. So it just, you know. And what, what uh, did you go and study? I studied commerce, accounting and finance, which is what every single Asian kid studied at UNSW. Seriously, you can just predict it. <laughs> Frankie agrees. Every single. <laughs> you keep saying Asian, but I'm guessing you mean Sorry, mostly Chinese. Chinese. I'm, yeah, I'm generalizing. I hope I don't get hate mail for this. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's fine. My, what did, it's a good uh, crowd. Audrey calls herself Eubrasian. Oh. Because <laughs> she's uh, 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 Indian, Samoan, Chinese, Fijian. Wow. With a bit of Scottish, English, Welsh. That's such a cool mix. Yeah, she calls herself Eurasian. <laughs> She's kind of brown. She's kind yeah, of Eurasian. Yeah. She's Eurasian. No, I like it. <laughs> so, uh, so there's there's no whiteies in your course. Right, like not many. Yeah. Why? Why is it such a popular? Is it just because that's like this is the this is the cornerstone of of I don't know modern commerce is a cornerstone of capitalism. If I get this this yeah, stuff right, I, I can go so. anywhere. Yeah. Right. And I think it's like for people who don't, if you don't want to do med. Which is the other obvious option. <laughs> if you're that smart. Yeah. If you don't do uh, med, you, you do commerce. Right. For the record, I did get the marks from med, but I can't deal with blood. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, you, they said you got a cadetship. Uh, At KPMG. So you're quite young. How do you even apply for that sort of thing? And did um, you even, why did you know you wanted to go there? Oh, because my mom. So she, she doesn't like, um, she doesn't brainwash me like I would have thought but like I literally up until this point did everything that she wanted because I didn't know any better and I genuinely did want to do it myself it wasn't like oh I actually want to be a muso and she forced me into doing it I actually didn't know any other options um I think I always actually wanted to get into media if you ask anyone I'm not just saying this my dream job if I wasn't doing this would be to produce reality tv shows but um and I've said you that and so I, many You interviews. and I should talk because I think you're in a fairly ripe, fertile ground for that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we should put something together. Yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, I would. Anyway, because it's like TV is my – people like people think fashion – I have a passion for fashion. But honestly, like TV brought me up. Um, it's, it's what my I do in almost any of my spare time. But anyway, so what was my point? I was asking about KPMG. KPMG. So my – so – this is the typical like adolescence of an um, Asian immigrant or just 
yeah, Asian, maybe even in Indian immigrant as well. So you go through um, junior primary school and you try and get to OC class, which is an opportunity class in some of the primary schools. So I didn't get into that because I just had two years of learning English. And then you go, you try and get into selective school, which I did get into. And then you all you care about is your university mark. Or you did that. <laughs> you yeah. go to selective school. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so oh, – I don't, I, I don't like it at all. It's so competitive and it's just – um, it, it's not a good place. It's not a good culture, but, um, some, as somewhere during, during my high school, my mom was like, Oh, I have a friend who went to a selective high school. So you should do, like, no, sorry. I lost my train of thought who worked at KPMG. So you should do that. And I was like, what do you mean? Like work at KPMG when you're 18. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's all I heard about. And then one day the opportunity, I started it, the opportunity did come out that there is a cadetship you can do straight out of high school. And so that's, literally what I focused myself on and so um, midway during year 12 you go for a series of interviews and group interviews and yeah you oh, I'm so sorry that's right you're, you sound like you're running a multi-million dollar business yeah. your phone's gonna ring and then yeah and then got the job at KPMG and which is a big fancy investment bank um it's an accounting firm big fancy accounting but it's, firm it's one of the big fours and um I actually loved it because I never had I think it I became more myself I came out of my shell a lot more when I was working at KPMG and I'm really glad that I started working when I was 18 because I found out much sooner that I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) that was good. (laughs) So you hang on, but you're doing that and uni? Yeah. So part-time uni at night. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of work. Yeah. (laughs) Where did you find time for the boyfriend? Oh, no, I, yeah, me time. My boy, boyfriend at the time lived across from uni, so that was good. <laughs> uh, just going to uni, mum. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know it's Saturday. Yeah. Um, Late that's lecture. Studious. Yeah. <laughs> Overnight study group. Got detention. <laughs> they still have that? Yeah. <laughs> so do you remember the day that you uh, you were like, ah, oh, I can't do this. This is what yeah, I want. Yeah, I actually do very, very vividly. So I just... Um, after two and a half years, because um, I'm fascinated with people who quit, I've quit. He just of did stuff. it. Yeah, I've quit yeah, yeah. a bunch of stuff. Are I've you quit a good a... quitter? Are you like a dramatic, like I'm out of here? That's no, how I, <laughs> I just realised that the amount of energy I'm spending trying to keep myself sane yeah. in a particular space is more than I would be expending if I wasn't in that space. Yeah, and that's worth more to me than cash. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. And I just think so many people don't realize that. That's actually really good. It's, yeah. If you've got to work every day, so don't go nuts. Yeah. To just go do your job, you may want to think about exactly. where you're yeah, working. Yeah, so yeah. You, what, you, you, you did you catch a train into work? What, do you remember what you was going on that day? Were you sitting there on a train going, this is it, I can't do it? I was um, behind my laptop and then I um, looked at my phone and I was like, wow, it's been three hours. And I was like, "All I, I'm literally three hours more dead. I'm actually three hours more dead than I was. And all I've done that time is I've removed the circular referencing from this spreadsheet. What's that? It's like when one cell talks to another, but it's 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 kind of like contradicts each other. And then one cell relies on another. It means the whole spreadsheet kind of has a breakdown and you fix it and it all flows. And who gives a shit, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm three hours more dead. Yeah, and I've just removed the and circular And for what? Exactly. And so I was like, wow, I can't, I can't do this. I can't just like, I was like, I'm going to go get a, and I normally, I, all I look forward to is having a subway at lunch and then at night having a drink with friends. And it's just like, that's 
sad. I, I didn't want to do it. So I just quit. And I had a side business at the time, which is a really stupid side business, but I kind of used that as an excuse. I was like, yes, I'm going to quit that to follow my dreams. But What was the side business? We ran like pop-up stores, you know, fringe bar markets. It's kind of like um, we ran these pop-up stores inside the art house in, the, in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And then we actually had a place um, on in Campbell Parade um, in Bondi, this bar that we just converted into a market over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then we stocked emerging design labels. But it's okay. like it's not, it's not a good idea. Like it's not scalable. It was like far from profitable as well. Um, but it kind of like – and it was such a stupid decision to, act, to have quit my job for that. But now that was like the biggest like life changer and it was really great that it happened. My, um, so I quit my job. We've been doing that business for six months with um, business partners. Hang on a second. Don't, when you start, when you're, don't you have to commit to a cadetship? Yeah, I, um, I did have a cadetship with KPMG, which I broke to work at EY. They gave me this $18,000 allowance, which I broke. Ernst and & Young, which is the building next door to where I work at the radio station. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, And, yeah, so I quit that and then – so I had to pay back $18,000. And so meanwhile, my mom, my parents are on very low income. I'm there borrowing like $10,000 for that first business, borrowing $18,000, not borrowing, they just gave it to me, um, to pay back KPMG, which is like, and then I had to, I had travel debts and they just like pretty much gave me all of their disposable income, which I've just, then my business partner decided she didn't want to do it anymore. Um, within the first month of me quitting my job, she's been secretly like job hunting. Oh. Um, so all of a sudden I was there. Um, and then so I'm stressed out about the fact that how my parents can pay for their mortgage because I've wasted all of their money and now it's in the middle of the GFC so I can't get another job. Um, then I walked out of – I left EY in such a – like a so long suckers the kind of way. Glory, yeah. yeah, so I couldn't go asking asking for that back. And so no job, no business, um, no money. And that's why the only other option was to start another business. Yeah. How did your parents take you quitting? I didn't tell them. <laughs> I couldn't tell them. <laughs> you you hang on, okay. Wait a second. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So you somehow got them to help you out of this 
financial situation because yeah. these people have committed you to committed to you for a cadetship and there is a, a penalty if yeah. you leave the cadetship early. Mm. You somehow convince your parents to help you out with that. Yeah. And then in the middle of that you go, All right, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna do this pop up shop, it's gonna be great. I'm gonna be Subi two point it's gonna be brilliant. And then it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell how did what, how did you were you living with them? Yes. That made it so much worse. So I just pretended to go to work every day to EY, to Ernst Young. So I would put on a suit. I would get up early and there's nothing worse than having to get up early than being unemployed and having to get up early anyway. Get up early, put on a suit. Bye, um, Mom. Bye, Dad. Yeah, no, have breakfast with them and talk about, you know. And then my mom sometimes tries to get the bus with me because we used to do that. So get the bus into the city with my mom. I'm carrying around an empty laptop bag. And then, like, just, like, kind of wander the streets, go back, go to the state library, try and go to, like, a cafe or something. And then even when I come home, I have to come home after them. So I had to, like, even if I was to go home during the day, I still have to step out and then come back. It was terrible. Far out. So... How did you, how did you, did you know what you wanted to do? Um, I managed it within one, so I got a job as a receptionist at the laser hair removal clinic in the meantime. And it's just, it was so demeaning to have worked in, you know, a big four accounting firm in corporate finance, working on like multi-million dollar deals, which I didn't really understand or have any interest in, but still. There's great coffee, then, yeah, everyone's exactly. dressed well. Friday night drinks, yeah. suit. And then working at a laser hair removal clinic and the bitch of a woman used to make me vacuum and tell me, all, point out all the spots I've missed. And then I remember the worst moment. I'm in a business suit, God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> a day. I don't then, have a tongue ring. <laughs> um, and then this woman, I was like working behind um, the reception, as a receptionist and this girl comes in she's like oh Jane um, we went to school together and so you know if you go to selective school everyone gets a proper job and blah 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 and she's like oh what are you doing here and I never lie I should have just said I'm just this is my part time job I'm still studying or whatever like or I'm just I'm no, still lying but still I, I told her I'm just filling in for a friend which is the worst lie because five weeks later when she comes back for her appointment, I'm still there and had nothing to say. And her judgmental Asian mom was there and she must have like, as soon as they left the front desk, would have been like, don't turn up. Don't turn out like her. You know, like you, I, you had that judgmental look. Is it like the Fijian Telegraph with Audrey's folks? Like did the judgmental Asian mom find a way to tell your mom? Or no, did, thank you, God. Wow. No, no, no. <laughs> wow. So... So you did you did get some income, so you were yeah. able to you know eat. Yeah. Um, and but, then I. But what kept what kept you going? What like it sounds like you were on this just absolute foot to the floor V twelve. Just let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. This isn't yeah. for me. I'm jumping yeah. off, but I don't know where to. Yeah. That would have um, been very difficult to start keep your head above water. Did you question what the hell you were doing? Oh, I was. Yeah, oh, I, I don't know how I got through it. It was the most depressing time of my yeah. life. And then funnily enough, I was introduced to another girl by this Asian guy that my parents tried to set me up with. From before? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're not like we have nothing in common. We're just staying in touch out of like courtesy. Um, not in a romantic way at all. Anyway, he introduced me to this other girl who also wanted to start a business. And so we did it. We started, we opened an online store. We, in three months, opened a bricks and mortar store in Broadway, which just like barely broke even. But still, like that gave me um, a place to go to during yeah. the day and um, hope. 
And that was Shopo, but Shopo only at the time. So what was the what was the magic moment? I mean, you're you're sitting, you're behind the counter of this laser hair removal clinic. You're you're helping young women, you know, make sure their bikini lines are intact. (laughs) Uh, You know, zapping off mustaches. You're doing all this kind of. It's, yeah. a, it's a very important job. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yet coming from Ernst and Young and KPMG and the you know that kind of. So that was the first place that's ever fired me because they said my heart wasn't in it. Well, they were right. Yeah, but I don't know how much heart you needed to have. You got fired from being a receptionist at a laser hair removal clinic. Yeah. So then I just worked full time on the business. Right. Um, for the first six months, I worked seven days a week in the store. So, and then, so I was just working retail, which is so also hard. Like I don't have that much. I don't. I don't want this to sound like I have so much pride, but it was so demeaning to also have then work in this retail store. I've never worked retail before, and have to. So I, I wasn't used to the fact that if someone comes in and you say hi, yeah. and they're like, "I'm just looking," it's like, okay, it's just like can't not say hi to you. So yeah. what do you want? And then these because we're opposite Sydney Uni, these girls come in and they're bargaining with you. They're like, can you take $10 off? I'm like, no. They're like, what if I buy two? I'm like, two is like a good amount to buy. I'm not giving you a discount. And it was just like, oh, I hated it. <laughs> and then, But um, it was your shop, so. Yeah. And then, so it was good. Um, and then at some point I realized, um, so, the, so the difficulty of starting the business was that I also didn't have any money. Yeah. Um, I think I was like $60,000 in debt. Like a lot of it um, was helped on my parents, which I did pay back. But um, I had my hex. I had no money. I used my credit card to fund the entire thing. But the way I got through that was because we bought the stock on consignment, which was so lucky, which meant that you pay for the stock only after it's sold. Yeah. So you, I borrowed the samples from the supplier, took the photos, yeah. um, just hustled to get everything, photography and models for free, build the website by myself by Googling HTML. Yeah. Um, so it looks shit at the time, but, yeah. you know, it, was, it, it, was, it did all right. And then just use Facebook. And I used to get in trouble for spending all my time at, KP, at EY on Facebook because Facebook um, – EY was one of the only – big companies that let you have Facebook. Uh-huh. And so I was just like, I would have fake spreadsheets open and I would be alt-tabbing just like as soon as someone walks by, I'm like, oh, spreadsheet. But I was on Facebook <laughs> most of the time. So I knew how the ins and outs work, of it worked yeah. so well and people used to make fun of me for being a Facebook addict because I was just spent on like, you just waste your time trolling on it, right? Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it actually allowed me to have such a good understanding of it. And then I managed to kind of growth hack this big following on social media and yeah. people just thought that we were much bigger than we were. And yeah, it was, it was just, I had no money and we had a business. So right. what was the, so you've bootstrapped the company on yeah. the back of a credit card. Yeah. You're flying by the seat of your pants on 18% interest on the credit card that's yeah, maxed yeah. out. What was the magic moment that you went, you know what, this might just work? Um, I actually bought out my business. So the business did kind of well and it started declining at with my business partner, the most we made a month is $22,000. But towards the end, it was like, it was December and it was $5,000 a month. Like December's meant to be your busiest trade, right? Because it's Christmas, party dresses. We did $5,000, which is like about two orders a day. So she wanted to get out. And she, um, so we did. We amicably went our own ways. I bought the business out for $20,000 cash. I just gave her a wad of cash. And then um, come January 
2012, the business was all mine. And then from that moment on, I just like hustled and I didn't do, it wasn't one thing in particular, but I just started doing everything. Just like decisions got made quicker. I did things my way. And um, so the next month we did $9,000 and then we did 41 and then 71. Jesus, in three months. 150. Yeah, we just kept doubling month on month. Holy moly. And at this point, I think we had an 80, for the $71,000 month, I was doing everything by myself, packing the orders, um, taking the photos, buying the stocks, just marketing, customer service. And I remember I was like, so every day, it's like it, you're just constantly writing out orders. Because um, I used to write thank you, personal handwritten thank you notes. And I get to the post box and the post box, I fill it up and it's full. So I have to speed to the next suburb, to the, that post box, fill that up. That was full. And I was like, screw it, I'm going to wait for the postman. And I think that was the moment I was like, shit, I'm onto something. This is gonna. This, this could actually work. You're this, waiting for the van, the pickup van, to so you show just want to put it all in there yeah. rather than shoving it down in the post box. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and so that was the big aha, first big aha moment. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm thrilled. Now, uh, you're a very busy woman. I I was supposed to have you for an hour. It's coming up on twenty past twelve. Where do you have to be? Where? Oh no, I'm. It's cool. Are you sure? I'm the boss. I don't want to, well, I don't want to keep you. No, I don't, no, I don't, it's okay. fine. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Because um, I'd love to talk to you about another 15 minutes. Yeah, if, sure. If, if that's it. okay. Okay. So, so what I'm getting is that you have equated enormous, complete, like scalable financial success to I'm Jane. I'm in control of every decision. At what point do you go, I'm going to have to relinquish some of these decisions because yeah. I'm running out of bandwidth. How hard was that? Who did you choose? So it was, I was so um, like reluctant to let go and not just because of control, that's a big part of it, but I was just so stingy because I was so povo for so long in the lead up to this, you know. It's the best word. <laughs> for people listening overseas, povo is poverty. Yeah. I, I was in such poverty. It's like, such poverty. you know, are you, oh, you're going overseas up the front. No, povo, I'm in economy class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you seen that YouTube video of the two guys explaining all the, like, povo, avo? Yeah, just half the word you think it is with an O or an E sound at the end of it. Yeah, Australia. Yeah, you swing by the server for the Barbie this avo? Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> my mum just doesn't understand Australians yeah. sometimes. Yeah, but, um, right. so, was my mum? Yeah, yeah so, the first employee. So, I remember minimum wage was five seventy when I worked at McDonald's. So, I was expecting that. Like, that's that's just what I was had in my mind. Minimum wage is like twenty over $20. So I was like, wow, I'm not going to pay someone $20. Because my effective pay at KPMG was like $10 an hour as well. So like I'm not going to pay someone 20 like $23 an hour to do work that I can do much better. And then I'm going to have to take time to explain it to them, which I just didn't even have. So I just kept pu- pushing it off, putting it off for so long. And the thing that made me actually hire my first staff was that a few months ago when I still had my business partner and business wasn't doing well, I um, booked this trip to Miami for Ultra Music Festival with a bunch of friends. And so I already committed, already paid and the festival came around and I was seriously considering staying back and just focusing on the business. And then I got peer pressured to just come on the trip and hire someone, which I did. And it actually was such a big move because it started, it moved the business from a small one-man operation to being a company that had, you know, systems and had room for growth. And I was able to start actually working on the business rather than getting into this cycle of being trapped and just working in the business. Thank you, dance music. Thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I stood there with my glow stick on South Beach and yeah. I went, you know what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Dad raving to Skrillex was a big life-changing moment. <laughs> At what point did you tell your parents the real story? So I told them two years later. Shut up. Yeah, I was just, I was playing it really safe. I wanted to get it to a point where I knew I wasn't going to go bankrupt. It was a moment when I was like, okay, Worst case scenario, I've got enough stock there to sell to like, even if I had to liquidate to like get me, keep me going for a few years. So I took them up to Centerpoint Tower because it was very like, you know, I thought it was a big, a good grand gesture to the restaurant. And then I told them I quit my job in July and they thought I meant July the year before, but I was like, no, 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 it's July two years ago. And they just, they just didn't believe it. They were like, how did you have the balls to do that? How did you lie for that long how did you um like how, how did you do it because we haven't ever taught that to you it's just not in like because they're not entrepreneurial at all and they're like we don't take risks how did you have the balls to take risks like that and I told them like they they immigrated from Australia like from China they like f left everything they knew to a country where they didn't speak the language still don't <laughs> and uh, they just Gave up everything they knew and took the, a much bigger risk. And I think it's much harder to take risks when you have a kid as well. Um, so, you know, they, you know. Were they mad? Uh, no, they were so, yeah, they just, they were just shocked and in, in awe. And, you know, by this point I bought them a car. So. Ah, there you go. Yeah, look at the shiny thing. Yeah. It's lovely. Yeah. Some addresses paid for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They recognize brands like, ah, oh, BMW. Okay. <laughs> no, it was a cheap, it's a, no, it's the cheapest BMW. It was like a 50000 like. Shh, still a BMW. $50,000 still my, a lot of money, Jane. No, but I know. But my dad was too scared to, he didn't, he's really nervous. He didn't want to drive it into work because he didn't, I don't know, he didn't want his like colleagues and work bosses to know. But I'm like, you can actually afford that car on your own salary. <laughs> like, why would you? He would drive the old car into work. He's, he doesn't anymore. Wow. We convinced him to. Wow. Uh, what? Uh, so th there's a, you came right, you weren't alone by any means. You were growing in the online fashion business at the same time as many players, some a lot bigger than you. Yeah. Why, why has Showpony managed to, Showpony, why have you managed to stay, stay where you are? What's the, what's, what's the secret behind that? Oh, I, I, being completely honest, there's there's something there that I don't really know because we're, I think we're doing everything well. Um, we have great products. We have great prices. There's definitely things we're doing wrong. Like I feel like this, the website has a lot of problems. It's it's not as good as a lot of our competitors. Um, the, we have issues with photography, but there's so many things that I can see we're not doing well and we're working on it, but I don't know how it's just exploded and it's managed to – Stay like to keep growing, and we've grown. I mean, we we have a great social media strategy, but that's just you know we've never that we never outsourced for that. We just all love social media, and we've just playing. We've just play with it, you know. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I think there's a certain like for girls in our demographic when they look at our company, it's there's something aspirational to being. Um. I think we said like we're we're kind of like positive role models because we're. You know, it's a group of – we have men that work with us, but it's a group of very, like, successful successful girls. Like, all the girls with us are so smart and they're, um, you know, they're such good 
ambassadors for the brand, like the the girls that actually work with us. The energy not just coming off your table at that ball last year, I could not believe. Yeah, I couldn't believe. And the everyone's friends. Power and- coming out of that table. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, it was yeah. great. It was great. It yeah. was. And and so, what kind of work? Obviously, having been in that, you know, that, that with that film, the man in the grey linen suit, uh, the grey flannel suit. Sorry, uh, you know, the the just. The, the drone amongst mm. worker bees in the tall skyscraper. Um, your experience there at, at Ernst & Young, just yeah. sitting in the cubicle with your brain melting away. I'm guessing what what about that experience uh, uh, motivated you to, you know, how, how did that experience influence the workplace that you've created now? I think for us we've always hired people that we like and I think that's important and there's just – there's no bitchiness as well, which you can find a lot in big companies where there's a lot of women and there's just no bitchiness where we were. That's a real pity that that happens. Yeah. That there's no bitchiness? No, I'm joking. No, 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 the bitchiness and, happens. Don't and, worry, guys cut themselves off, cut each other off at the ankles all the bloody yeah. time. But it's kind, of, it's kind of less of a... Yeah, it's at yeah. least not behind your back. <laughs> Maybe. And then um, so we have like... At EY, like if you're tired, I remember when I used to work long hours because I'm, you know, because I'm working on the business, the side business I had at night and then um, at EY till like sometimes like midnight during the, um, during work, work days. Um, I, if I get really tired, I would go into the bathroom, set myself a five minute alarm and just like nap in the toilet. At Shopo, we have a bed. Awesome. So you can just go like nap there whenever you want. Um, and so we have like our, our, hash, our work hashtag is the Shopo drinking team because that's what we're all about. I think we, we actually interview people. We're like, do you drink? Because, <laughs> I mean, we're not going to actually discriminate against someone that doesn't, but I think it's… Oh, good, because I don't. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I'm no, sorry, but... we don't. But I think it's like we want them to know that that's the culture from the interview because I think when you're interviewing with a company, you're interviewing them as well. We want them to know that we want to be open like – your share your weekends with us. Share what you do. Like share mm. your problems. Like we. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a it's a really open culture. Um, people don't. You know, I think for a while, I think everyone knows I'm the boss now. There, for a while, we've had um, girls who start with us who thought, like this one girl thought I was 19. I was like, oh, that's very nice. But they just thought I was some junior. They they don't realize I'm the boss because I don't want to give that mm. air off. And so, yeah, it's a really flat structure. I mean, there's not that many of us. Of course, it's quite flat, but yeah, yeah, it's not like Devil Always Prada. <laughs> Though it, it doesn't take much for a workplace to become that, you know, yeah. as well as I do. That yeah, It only yeah. takes one new employee or, oh, or we, one particular uh, crisis to bring out parts of people that you may not. We definitely made that mistake last year. We hired um, a three people. Um, there were three people that we – Five them now, but we definitely had people that you can you can tell how ba- how much one bad egg could be like impact the entire workplace. Yeah. Like you are your weak as strong as your weakest link, right? And that's yeah. just hundred percent true. Yeah, but we just fired them. <laughs> <laughs> it's great you can pick and choose who you work with, right? I have to deal with like idiots. What? Uh, so what would you say? Uh, like Gigi's twelve. All mm. right, she's just started high school. Um, up until about, she's taller than you. Mm. She's nearly as tall as me. Wow. Yeah. She's stunning. It yeah. It kill, kills me. I'm 
I'm in a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so until about Put a tracker six, on her. until about six weeks ago, she wanted to be all she wanted to be was a Victoria's Secret angel. Mm. All right, and then the other day we kept kind of explaining to her that you know the models are good, you know, it's a fantastic profession, but it'll last two years yeah. if you're really lucky. Yeah, you're gonna have to have something to back it up. And we're like, you know how. Um, uh, what's her face? She has Cora and she has Swarovski yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, so what's the business that you're going to build on the back of that? Yeah. And just the other day she goes, I think I'm going to go study business at university. That's great. And I just went, phew, but inside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but what would you say to a young, I mean, she's 12. I reckon she might be the last generation ever to have to learn how to drive a car. Yeah. You know, um, the world, the workplace she's going to enter in six years from now will look nothing like so, we yeah, yeah. can possibly, you know, conceive. But what would you say to a young woman like that as she's, you know, launching into high school and, you know, what would you say to her for the for the next, you know, years ahead? Um, I think just to have to have an interest in everything and just be a sponge in those years. Like I can't – I think – um, you learn so much during those years that actually can be so helpful. Like don't, don't, don't ride yourself off and think, oh, science, that's not for me. I'm not going to. Like you're so young that you want to just kind of be open to everything and just, give every, just, just to give everything a go because I grew up having a fear of failure, going to a selective school. Like you don't try if you know you might fail. So I just think try everything and just um, – and just just enjoy your adolescence, you know. Don't be, don't compare yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. It's so hard to tell a teenage girl that because that's what you're constantly doing. But you know, I think it's it's just just to build yourself up to be a strong woman, like to believe in yourself. That's actually so hard because women, I find, are so much more. I always, I always get asked why this. Um, more male entrepreneurs. And I think because women don't back themselves, they question themselves and they don't take those risks. Um, yeah. And actually, funnily enough, I was watching Top Model and they actually have a segment challenge now where they ask them, how are you going to turn your modeling into a business? Yes. Yeah. yeah they so. do. So t- just talk to me about backing yourself a bit. Um. Yeah, I just think what you mean, like. Well, you know, for people that might that might be a completely foreign concept to them. Very, you know, maybe it's the way they're brought up. Maybe they were the one girl in a family full of boys. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of patriarchal upbringing that people didn't do it deliberately, but has kind of rubbed off on them. And yeah. they, you know, societal expectations are that I don't know, you're going to have a very different life to your brother. Yeah. Um, what would you say to a woman that would be like, oh, it's easy for you to back yourself? Yeah. You know, you're, you know, the, you know, the, the fired up, fire in your belly, yeah. you know, <laughs> Jane, you, you know, multi-million dollar company, uh, you know, you built it from the ground up, but I couldn't possibly do that. What would you say oh, to someone like that? I didn't think I was that person at all. You know, like I was just a mediocre, a really bad accountant, hating accounting at KPMG and EY. And I think sometimes you just need to give yourself that push because there is actually nothing like, yes, it's scary to think I'm going to take it. I'm going to try and fail. But look, like I think about the fact that I could be a 50 year old accountant hating my accounting job when, when I'm 50, like that is so much scarier being trapped in that than just to have a go when you're young and fail. Like, but what's wrong with that? Fail fast, fail early, yeah. fail off and fail forward. Yeah, I did succeed. <laughs> all, that, all that good stuff. Yeah. All that good stuff. Um, I'm so, so grateful to have you over here. Oh, oh, final question, final question. 
um, because it is about uh, you know it, it's a it's a cultural thing that I wasn't really exposed to. Mm. What would you say to um, teenagers who are listening to this that really related? to your description of uh, extraordinarily high parental expectations. Mm. What would you say to people who are maybe like 15, 16 listening now? Um, I think you can still keep your parents happy and push yourself to do both. Like so make sure – like I I always tell – whenever I'm in a cab driver with an Asian cab driver, I'm like – and then they're like, oh, you know, they're so impressed that I went to a selective school and – it gets brought up because they're Asian. And I'm like, no, but make sure you your child goes and plays sports, gets a part-time job. They're like, no, I work hard so my kid doesn't have to get a part-time job. It's like, no, all of that is character building. So I think don't um, push push the boundaries with your parents, but that doesn't mean stop studying. Still study. Like I feel I feel like some, you know, don't don't use this as an there's a cop out and an exit from working hard academically, but push against your parents because they don't, they don't know best. <laughs> they really just don't. <laughs> wow. I love it. And if, you, if they ever have a problem, just take show Jane's photo. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's like the most, oh, that's the most flattering thing. I've had so many people who've come up to me and they said that their parents, they, they tell their parents they want to do this and their parents are like, no, that's impossible. You can't do that. And they show their parents my article. Their parents can't actually, they can't fault it. They can't argue against it. So that's actually, I feel like that's so good to have made an impact. So, I love yeah. it. I love because here's the thing. My, uh, so Audrey's dad, mm. he's just retired, mm. came here in 1987. Mm. So 29 years ago, after the coup in Fiji, mm. zip. Zero. Yeah. Nada. Wife, two young kids. He retired wow. two weeks ago with a house he owns here, a house he owns in Brisbane, a big fuck off boat, wow. and enough money to last him and his wife till the end. And I, I love it. Yeah. I love it because so much shit is said about immigrants in our society. Mm. And there's so much bitterness, I think, towards people that. Others don't understand. Mm, yeah. But Jamie had the same amount of hours in the day as yeah. everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look what he's done, you know. And so when, you know, and I was actually going to wonder about this. So how old were you in 2005? 2005, I would have been 8, 19. 19. So when no, all, 21. No. So, yeah, so when all that shit was going down in Cronulla, how did oh. that make you feel? Yeah. I th- oh, there was like the just to, to explain to other people like the, the, there was a race riots in in, yeah. in in Cronulla. It was like an enormous, like incredibly bigoted, racist white people just mm. bashing poor young Middle Eastern boys and screaming, "If you don't love it, leave!" and "Fuck off, we're full!" and it's like total redneck. I just can't believe that happened in this day and age. Like it was still a long time ago, but but you're a kid. You're not even not even here for ten years at that, or maybe no, a little more. Yeah, than... it would have been just. It would have been the year after high school. Yeah, I would have just started working. Did it make G- you feel unsafe? Did it make you? Feel... Um, didn't make me unsafe. I was actually. I I I felt very Australian by this stage, uh-huh. and I just was embarrassed. Right. Okay. For Australia. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I was just like, I can't believe. I don't want people to perceive us like this. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, they do. I'm afraid. Yeah. Dumb, drunk, and racist. I think that's the. Yeah. It's a real shame, man. It's a real, it's a real shame <laughs> because, you know, I mean, what's that, that? I love it. I say it all the time. There's that fantastic uh, uh, saying: "We all have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce." Yeah, yeah, I love that. We do. Yeah. It's not like she's got some sort of secret time portal. Yeah. 
she is the same, you know, 10 fingers and toes. What has she got different? She's got commitment. Mm. And she's got commitment to work on what she was born with. She wasn't born singing and dancing like that. Yeah. She worked her ass off to sing and dance like that. Yeah. She worked her ass off to learn the business. She worked her ass off to learn relationships, mm. which is what we'll get on. How important have all the relationships in those, those, that Facebook thing that you were doing at Ersted Young, mm. how important was all those relationships, all that stuff, how do they continue to be important to you? You mean? Personal relationships, relationships with suppliers, relationships with, oh, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, oh, it's so important. Like, you know, in terms of relationship with my staff, I think that's what people always ask me, will you sell the business? No, because this is exactly what I want to do. There's no way mm. I would leave. The relationship with suppliers, like we, we, could, we go out like and we have such good relationships. Um, we hang out with our suppliers and like, you just know, I think we, we rarely sign contracts for anything because you never want to be trapped into a relationship that it's not mutually beneficial. So you would not... Like if, if we've had situations where we've, we've been contracted and we've told that person, look, this doesn't work for us anymore and we can get out because you have a good relationship and you, um, you want to, you, you know, you want to look at things in the long term. And I think, you know, I think the, um, I think that's definitely something that, like you said, like one of the things that Showpro has done well that I can't quite put my fingers on, I think it all adds up. So you're saying you, you run a multi-million dollar business on handshake deals? Yeah, a lot of it, yes. That says volumes. My, volumes my, about the trust that goes on between everybody that's involved. My top, my best employee is my best friend that we only met at work um, and she doesn't have an employment contract and she writes everyone else's employment contracts that I don't even read because I don't like reading. <laughs> yeah. That says a lot. That, yeah. says, that says a lot about the uh, enrollment that everybody has in the mutual success of what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that might be the secret sauce yeah. that you're looking for. But I'm, Maybe, when you find yeah. it, let me know. I will. <laughs> I'm so grateful you can come over. Thank you so much, Jane. Yeah, thanks for having I'm me. Stoked. I'm going to take your photo, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sweet. Thanks. That was Jane Lou. You can find her on Instagram. She's at the lazy CEO. Go over there. Tell her you heard her on this show. Let her know what you thought. She's ace. You'll dig following her. She's a pretty inspirational human being. If you need anything through the week, you can always email me, sandotcheremail at gmail.com. Thank you so much to all the people that sent me through a podsy picture this week. What's a podsy? It's a picture of what you're looking at right now. You're probably listening to this on a phone. The phone's probably got a camera on it. Take a photo of whatever it is you're looking at right now. Send it to me, sandotcheremail at gmail.com. Happy to help in the uh, deconstruction of Christmas trees this week, um, the tending to of national parks, road trips from one massive part of this country to another, and uh, indeed looking after kids. Uh, that's what this podcast helped people do this week, and I can't wait to see how I'm part of your week next week. Thank you so much to all the people that helped me make this show. Andy Ma, my audio producer, Toe Hider, Mike Mills, the man that makes all the music, and the irrepressible Rachel Barrett, my show's producer, and indeed my career's true force. Nothing happens without Rachel. Get yourself a Rachel. Be your own Rachel if you can. I can't. That's why I need a Rachel. She's a total weapon, and 2019 is going to be ace for all of us. So until we speak next time, enjoy building that beach. Talk to you next time. Until then, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.